you're on the fiction road. I'm writer Cheryl Alloway. Let's drive it together and find out what fictional saga is around the corners. Choose from a variety of genres that are crafted with one thing in mind, the love of the story. It's a much needed part of our day, more than ever, to lose the fast pace and settle down into a place where our minds can go to another place and another time. Join me as we explore the narrative world in podcast format. It's never been easier to entertain ourselves than podcast storytelling. So sit back, choose your story, and see what the fiction road has to offer. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy your stay. The Fiction Road is powered by Anchor by Spotify. Music is provided by pixabay.com. You're here on another stop on The Fiction Road. Sit back and take a break from your drive today and connect with the rhythm of life. We meet our main character on a crowded city sidewalk as the story, Life in A Major, finds its way to us over the hum of the city. As the crowd shuffled on its normal way, Tobias sat and listened and watched. Not too far in his past, the sounds were the same, but the voices were much different. The smells, the engines in the cars, the horns, the hustle of the people, life itself. And now he was older, he was wiser to all of it, and he understood that it was okay to slow down now. The cane he walked with wasn't really because he needed it. He felt it was a precaution, and it comforted him to just have it in his hand as he walked. The bowler hat he wore was as old as he was. Quality lasted, he thought. Why waste it? Besides, it was the one thing that made him look a bit distinguished, he thought. God knew he really had nothing in his back pocket most days. He saw how the world worked now, though. People judged with their eyes too much. He saw it in at least some of the younger generation and some of the older as well. The more you were dolled up, the more you were looked at. Being regular looking just got you passed over, regardless of what you had to offer. And if you were elderly, well, let's just say Tobias had prepared himself for a new acclimation into society. This new stage in life was one neither he nor anyone his age would ever truly be ready for. He felt like he was still 30 years old inside his body. He just looked different now. Simple as that. But he felt like no one really cared. They were too busy. Things to do, places to go, and other people to see. When he was young, he never really saw the face he saw now in the mirror. And as he learned, time does trickle slowly enough to keep the secrets of your elderly face hidden from you. You don't have a choice, old boy, he said, gazing at the people, the cars, and looking up at the buildings. You are aging, 
But look at the bright side, you're still a sturdy one. And you can thank those damn cold and wet docks for that. Well, at least it kept you and Pop fit. <laughs> no crooked back for you yet. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get on with it. Tobias Green had lived his life in one place. The city was where his parents had brought him up, fed him, clothed him, and cared for him. He was now retired from the shipping docks that his father once worked at as well, and his was a life of hard work and fortitude, as one can imagine. At 75, Tobias was still a healthy man. His body was fit at his age because of the work he had done his whole life, ironically. Now, however, he would sit on his favorite bench, sipping his favorite coffee with his cane just in case he needed it, leaned up against the side, and he'd say to himself, Toby, old boy, it's good, it's good. But if this life gives you two more decades, well, you're going to need a companion and your old face. <laughs> it isn't attracting the ladies anymore. <laughs> well... That little pop in the window over there, however, would be a perfect sidekick for you. Mm, but the cost of bringing him home is not in your world. Just keep praying that none of those well-to-dos takes him home on you. Tobias had been talking about a small dog with tousled gray fur and a white patch over his left eye that was in the upscale pet shop across the street where his favorite bench sat. He would finish his coffee every morning, watching the more fortunate patrons enter and leave without the little guy. He was a scrawny little puppy with thin legs, and Tobias had aptly named him Twig in his mind. He'd walk across the street with his cane when he was done his coffee, and he would look at little Twig through the window. Twig would go to that window every time he saw Tobias. He got used to seeing the man with the cane. Tobias would smile at him, and Twig would just sit calmly and stare up at him with his tiny tail just wagging slightly. The other puppies would be frantic and active all around him, and he'd just stare up as if he were dreaming about Tobias being his owner. One could almost hear him ask, Why won't you just take me home? The saleswoman who ran the posh shop would come out and say to Tobias, Sir, if you're not going to buy him, please don't stand there too long. It gets the other dogs too worked up, and you're obviously not going to make a purchase. Well, she was about as kind as a Mack truck running over a frog on the road in the mind of Tobias. And so he'd lose his smile and say goodbye to Twig, going home disheartened, with the prayer, however, whispered to the little dog that, one day, he'd save his little heart and take him from the shop for good. Making his way back home, he took the elevator in his apartment, as he always did to save his knees. Walking down the hall, he stopped and opened the door to his tiny apartment, put down his cane and turned on the TV to the news. Tobias's father played the guitar back in the day and sang softly with him as a child. The old guitar sat in the corner of the living room now as a treasured piece of decor, and even though he never really learned how to play, 
Tobias had actually written songs with his father, and he kept them within a tattered leather-brown booklet so that when they did have time, they could create things together. His parents may not have had much, but they had a son who was great with words and telling tales. Tobias had taken up spelling quite easily in school. Math, on the other hand, well, it wasn't his nor his father's strong suit. His mother would smile demurely, tear up a little, and chuckle now and then, watching them and listening, as Tobias would sing with his father as he played. Oh, well now, this seems like a good traveling type tune, Toby. Let me see what you got there, son. And don't you worry about it being messy. You just have fun with them words of yours, all right? Okay, Papa. You got it. Now, come on in on your cue. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you how to travel fine. You stay the course when you make a dime. Cause life ain't so easy when you're walking alone out there. Oh, that's not too bad. Take advice from a man who's been everywhere. Oh, I'm liking it. <laughs> I've been on the rocks and down the lane. Been walking high and low. Oh, yeah. Been dancing with a dog named Joe. Oh, my goodness. Tell me about Joe. Well, I had to let Joe go. <laughs> Don't you know? Tell me why, son. Tell me why. Just like me and you, we needed to be free. And dancing on the street was just too hard for Joe, you see. He had to move on like you and me. Oh, boy. Joe went on down the road and he found a life, you see. Oh, wow. <laughs> son, that's not too bad, boy. But listen to me. You keep working on them words. We'll finish this song up. I like it so far, Toby. What do you think, Mom? I think it's fantastic for us. <laughs> Thanks, Pop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Tobias gazed out the window, remembering it all. He chuckled at how bad it actually sounded, but it was him and his pop, and they were having a great time together. His mother was in the background loving it every time. She knew it was just simple and sweet, yet to her, listening to them made everything they'd gone through mean something. They'd given their son a heart and a soul, and, well, that should count for something. Now as he sat looking out the window, thinking about it all, he said to himself, You keep hopeful, little twig. They seem to look you over just like they do me. I'm older and useless, I suppose, to them. You don't have the fancy look they all want. It's a shame that people forget about what's on the inside. Then he got a bit sullen. His brow furrowed, and he took a deep, Upset breath. Ah, oh, Pop. You worked your whole life, and I did the same damn thing. 
were the ones who processed their fancy fish and caviar, their silk, their jewelry, their fancy cars from those boats. And they could care less about me or you, Twig. <laughs> he began to weep quietly and pulled a blanket up over his knees. Tobias had had a hard life, and he was alone now to think about it all way too much. He wiped his eyes and put his back straight again to finish watching the news. He gathered his senses like he always did. Tobias Green had been an only child to his parents, Adeline and Warren. They were a product of the baby boom years. They had a humble life with their son and gave him what he needed. You see, Tobias was used to not getting what he actually wanted. There was a huge difference in the two things to him. But he was grateful for what his parents did, because Tobias knew how hard it had been. He promised his mother, when she was the last of them to go, that he'd stay in the apartment and take care of what her husband and she had worked so hard to achieve for them back then. She asked Tobias to do just one extra thing for her. Keep fresh flowers on the table each week, son. Trust me, when I tell you it, it will remind you that we're not gone far. Your father gave me flowers every week, whether we could afford it or not. He told me it was important to show us all that there was life and color within these tiny walls. It reminded him, Toby, that all we had worked for was worth something, son. And Tobias did just that. Before he made his way up to the apartment each morning after his coffee walk, he bought the smallest bouquet of flowers they had, as it was all he could afford. But he replaced them in his mother's favorite little vase on the small round table in the apartment kitchen. He'd push in the chairs and know that he was keeping his promise to her and his father. There had been times where Tobias and his modest existence was berated by others. And it was even abusive at times. It was a dark spot on his otherwise peaceful life. He was lucky that the apartment building had not been sold yet again. And as he would find out, the man who owned it currently was about to meet one of his tenants, a tenant who had been in the neighborhood since before he was even born. But first, a common part of Tobias's day would occur, a very unpleasant one. Hurry up. I don't have all day. Another tenant abruptly stated to Tobias the next morning, as he tried desperately to open the apartment's security-coded door. Tobias had crooked fingers from his arthritis and years of working, and sometimes it made it hard for him to key in the numbers. I'm sorry. I'm trying, he'd say with his brow furrowed in frustration. In the old days, there was no need for security doors. Get out of the way, I'll do it, the other tenant shouted, and he brushed past Tobias, almost touching his shoulders and pushing him out of the way. You don't have to be rough about it, Tobias answered, stumbling backwards. It was blatant disrespect, and yet Tobias would not fight back physically. It wasn't in his nature, even though there was a slight chance that his large, gnarled fist could actually make a dent in someone. 
But this other tenant, he, he was three times younger and bigger, and Tobias, he had enough aches and pains. It was intimidation that kept Tobias from further confrontation, and still, it ate him up inside. It was a form of abuse. Just the look from this man made everyone in the building back away. It made for a solemn atmosphere until he left for work each day. They couldn't wait for him to leave, knowing that they'd have a reprieve, at least from his adult bullying tactics. The cocky man just huffed and rushed through the door, running up the stairs to go about his business, and Tobias could hear him under his breath. Get the hell out of the way, damn it. Tobias just held on to the open door now, and looked up at the apartment building, and then down the street toward the pet shop. He shook his head back and forth in disgust, with hurt feelings, and he made his slower way up to his own door once again. The next day, Tobias resolved himself to the fact that he couldn't change everyone. He couldn't make people care, and although it was painful at times and frustrating, he kept on his routine and made his way that day as he always did. He'd been around long enough to know that it wasn't disease that was actually killing off everyone. Society was doing that to itself. The one thing he kept in his mind was the thought of seeing Twig. It took all of his pain and loneliness away. He'd forget about the cruelty, the silence in his apartment at night, the memories of going home with pennies in his pockets that just barely paid for the apartment and fed him. He'd long for that little partner in life whom he could talk to and trust and walk with. He had visions of what Christmas morning could look like. And he knew life could be better having someone else to care for and take care of. He was getting tired of just focusing on himself all the time. Well, that morning, without him knowing, another man had noticed Tobias, but not in a bad way this time. Freeman Delaware owned the building now that Tobias lived in, and he and his wife and family lived in a posh house just outside the city. The grounds of the Freeman home were lush with dogwood trees and green lawn that would make some envy. He had two children the ages of 10 and 12. They were good kids, and Freeman had every intention of teaching them the financial ways that had given them their life. He also had his daughter in piano lessons, and she was becoming something of a phenom at her age. His son had found an interest in drawing, and it was a gifted balance that Freeman was trying to provide to his children. Their money was a privilege to Freeman, and something he did not take lightly. He was always finding push within the business world for the fact that he had too many morals, they would tell him. And it, it won't get you as far as you can go, his colleagues would say. You have to be brutal at times to succeed, Freeman. Well, Freeman didn't listen. He did things his way. His wife, Allison, was the new DA in town, and they had been dabbling in real estate for some time. They'd moved from England almost a decade prior, when Freeman had an opportunity they couldn't pass up. His wife, Allison, took her law skills with them and also made a name for herself. As Tobias left the apartment building's doors once again, the same disrespectful tenant blasted by him and literally pushed past with his dark suit and gold cufflinks on. Tobias was too afraid to say anything out loud. 
He could tell this guy was a lit fuse ready to go off. Why he lived in the old building puzzled Tobias. He looked like he should have been on Park Avenue instead. The only thing he could think of was that the rent was cheap to his pocketbook. He obviously had money for lots of nice suits. At the same time, Freeman Delaware was getting out of his car to do a site visit on the building as they were going to be making improvements soon. He saw it all and got annoyed, to say the least, to see the unkind actions toward the elderly Tobias. He went right to him and asked, Are you all right, sir? He glared at the other man who was on his cell phone racing down the street to get somewhere. Tobias looked up and said with a sad tone, I'm fine. <laughs> He's always rude. I'm used to it. Freeman sighed and put his hand out. I'm Freeman Delaware. I own your building now. Five years and I've, I've never met you, sir. I do apologize. You can be sure I'll be dealing with this. No one should be abused like that. Not on my watch and not in my building. Tobias suddenly felt something in his chest. And it was a good thing. It was a feeling of relief. Out of the blue, someone cared. Someone showed him courtesy and acknowledged him. He didn't believe it at first and wondered if Freeman was just saying it because he was getting Tobias's rent money. And that was the mistrust that had been brewing inside of him because he was losing his ability to trust anyone anymore. Well, I won't keep you, sir. Uh, I can see you're on your way, headed out, but it was nice to meet you. May I ask your name? Freeman asked. Tobias looked up and took his hand and shook it. I'm, I'm Tobias Green, and I've lived here since I was a child. I hope you're not going to take this building down any time soon, like the others have threatened to do. Some of us in there may not have anywhere else to go if you do. I know progress is needed in this world, but please know that there are a lot of memories within these bricks you see. I'd like to make more of them, but thank you for your kindness. I, I'm glad to meet you. Freeman could see and sense the tension within Tobias. He could hear the defensiveness within his voice, and it made him sad. And although he knew he was probably doing right by the tenants who'd lived in his building all those years, he felt badly that not all of them deserved it. They parted ways as Freeman looked down the sidewalk. And once he was done his business, he decided to ask his driver to go back to the office without him. He wanted to walk back, and that walk was intentional. He was interested in Tobias, wanting also to make sure he was safe on his walk. Without intruding on him, Freeman followed his path to the park, the coffee shop, and then the bench where he watched Tobias gazing at the little dog that seemed to be interested in him. Through the glass at the upscale pet shop across the street, Freeman saw something in Tobias that seemed almost wounded. But he also saw the softness within his elderly tenant, who on the outside one could tell he'd worked hard his whole life. He made note of the window visit that Tobias made to Twig in the shop window, and he had an idea, but he kept it inside and left Tobias to his day and went back to the office two blocks away.
That night, Freeman went home and had a conversation with his wife, Allison. She listened, and they discussed something together that they agreed upon after an hour or two. Freeman continued to monitor Tobias and the building that he lived in, and on a day that he noticed the blatant abuse of Mr. Green once again, he couldn't take it anymore. The door was opening to the apartment building, and Freeman's car was parked just up the street. He waited and watched and saw the other tenant treat Tobias as he always did. Freeman had had enough, as the man obviously was scolding Tobias once again at the door. He got out of the car and stood there waiting for him to come down the sidewalk past him. He stood in front of him, and the man stopped. Watch it, would you? The man spouted with an agitated glance. As Freeman wouldn't move, the man tried to go around him, and Freeman, who stood about six feet tall, looked him straight in the eyes and said, Sir, excuse me, but... uh, Did you know that uttering threats to fellow tenants, or anyone for that matter, is a criminal offence? And as the owner of that building you live in, if I ever see that again, trust me when I say you will be getting a visit from my lawyer. The man was cocky and answered, What? Are you a cop? You own our building? His demeanour had suddenly changed and he looked up at Freeman, whose hands were in his overcoat pockets, just looking at him. Why, yes, I do own the building, and as much as I can appreciate your schedule that you obviously have, it might be a good idea to respect your fellow tenants. You see, I have the right to communicate this abuse I've seen to the Tenants Association, and if they vote that it's become chronic with you, well, I'm only letting you know as a courtesy that they could bring it to me. And if that happens, you may not be living there anymore. Do we have an understanding? The man looked up at Freeman and huffed. I have to get to work. Whatever, buddy. All I hear is blah, 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 blah. You're not the only one with a lawyer. He blasted past Freeman and rushed off, as he always did, commenting under his breath. Bleeding heart. Well, that comment was kept in Freeman's back pocket for sure, and he got back into his car. He asked the driver to make one more stop. He was careful to word what he said to Tobias's adult tyrant. After all, he had a lawyer for a wife. That night, he and his wife asked the kids to join them for a family talk. He wanted to let them in on more of what was happening and ask them their opinion on a few things that would come to light later on. He also told them about the extra stop he had made on his way home. For two weeks, Freeman had improvements made to the apartment building. Painting, new carpets in the halls, exterior maintenance, and more was done. The Tenants Association was very happy with what he had done with everything. With no rent increase either, as they acknowledged. And they had a special meeting with him to go over everything. One of the items on the agenda was the subject of social toxicity in the apartment building, and one man's name came up. His name was Jason Tellis. Freeman had recognized the name among his business contacts and hundreds of meetings, not to mention that he now knew the name of the man who was mistreating Tobias. He was a young stock market guru. 
Adult bullies for Freeman, let alone any for that matter, had no place in his world, especially when they committed elder abuse. The Tenants Association let Freeman know that he'd been rude to many of them. In fact, he was only living there because he'd had eyes on buying the building and selling it to have it taken down and turned into modern condos. Some of the other tenants had lived there for many years, too. Tobias had been there the longest of any of them. He'd seen people come and go over the years, and never had he had an abusive neighbor like Jason tell us. Jason once threw one of the other tenants' mail out because it was placed in his box by accident. He knocked down Mrs. Dunham's Christmas wreath from her door and just huffed down the hall because it was in his way, just leaving it there on the hallway floor. One of the bells on it broke. She saw him through her door's peephole, but was too afraid, like Tobias, to say anything. I hope you stumble and spill coffee all over that shiny suit of yours, she said in her mind. It was all she could do. She was so intimidated by him that she waited until he was gone before opening her door to see her wreath disheveled on the carpet. She just sighed sadly and shook her head, picking it up to bring it in and try to repair it. When Freeman heard all of these things, he realized why Jason was so surprised when he found out who owned the building. He was probably even more angry inside now, knowing that he'd have a hard time buying it since Freeman let him know where he stood on the abusive way he was to his neighbors. He'd be even testier now. Oh, did I do the right thing? Freeman asked himself in his mind. Well, now the tenants would leave all of this with him. This was actually one of the things he'd spoken to his wife about, and he brought the children in on it that day, because there was something else he wanted to ask them. Now he'd have one more family meeting that would put a few more things into place, but not before he made a very special visit to a special person on a day that Freeman Delaware would never forget. Freeman decided to visit Tobias Green and talk to him, get to know him better. And after all, part of what Tobias paid him each month paid for his family's life. How could he go to sleep at night not knowing his tenants at all? All of this, recently, had truly opened Freeman's eyes. He rang the doorbell at apartment number 12, and a very kind face, Tobias, opened the door. Oh, well, hello, Mr. Delaware. What can I do for you? I don't think my rent was late, Tobias nervously said. Freeman felt horrible that Tobias felt that intimidated by him as well, and quickly quashed the moment, trying to turn it into a friendly visit. Oh no, Mr. Green, I, everything is fine. I, I just thought that it would be nice if we talked, and I got to know some of my tenants a bit better. May I come in? I, I hope I'm not imposing. I, I know you have every right to say no. Tobias thought about it. He heard the tone in Freeman's voice, and he felt comfortable. Well, I'm very happy to put on a pot of coffee, but please do come in. I have nothing to hide, and I think you'll find I keep the place quite nicely. Freeman smiled, already being able to see in. It was kept nicely, as Tobias had said. 
He was impressed, actually. An old man with such tidiness and pride in his humble home. It was very endearing to him. He entered with respect, taking off his coat and waiting for permission to enter the living room. Please sit down, Mr. Delaware. I, I have my father's chair right here. It's still the best seat in the house, Tobias said with pride. Freeman sat and they talked and had that cup of coffee. And Tobias ended up opening up to him a bit. It was one of the best so-called meetings Freeman had had in weeks. This one meant something. Beyond the market talk, the investment speak, and well, he was taking time to speak with a real person who was at the hub of it all, really, if one thought about it. Tobias and his family had actually paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in rent over the years. Freeman had the foresight to see this, and he respected a man who was still in his own home, paying his way, and someone, frankly, who had earned it all. Well, I do see that there is music in your world as well, Mr. Green, Freeman nodded upon seeing the guitar in the corner. Yes, I... I actually don't play, but that was my father's skill. Me, I I write, though. I, I find it soothing. I've been doing it since I was a boy. It was something Pop and I did together. I, I love writing story songs like the old blues musicians did. <laughs> my Pop was actually very skilled. But as you know, Mr. Freeman, not everyone can be discovered and become famous or wealthy. Freeman grinned humbly at the comment, as Tobias was right. There were many people out there who were undiscovered for sure. The image of a man and his son making music together, well, it was a very nice one. And by the wear and tear on the guitar, one could see that it had been well used and loved. You know, Mr. Green, I... I have a love for music as well. My daughter plays the piano. It's something the world can't live without, don't you agree? Music, I mean. No, I've, I've taken enough of your time. I appreciate your coffee and you let me know if there's anything that I can do to make your home more comfortable for you. My wife and I are very fond of this old building. Its architecture is something that should certainly be preserved and... Frankly, its tenants like yourself are very important to us. Whether you might believe that or not, I I hope I didn't take up too much of your time. And uh, Mr. Green, uh, trust me when I tell you I'm well aware of the atmosphere around here. And rest assured, we're going to deal with it. You have a lovely day indeed. Freeman turned, got up to put his coat on, and he left, shaking Tobias's hand. It took him aback, and Tobias wasn't sure how to take the visit. It was a bit out of the blue, but still, he smiled as Freeman left down the hallway. Now, Freeman would go home and have one more family meeting that would put a few more things into place. Well, my little family, 
It's been an adventure with us owning this apartment building, and Alison, darling, you've been very helpful lately with your legal advice. I told you all about the man I met, named Mr. Green. He's a pretty sweet man, and he's lived there longer than any other tenant. Ah, it's amazing. I can imagine the holiday mornings he's had there with his family's faces, how hard his parents must have worked to even live there. It's not easy for everyone. Children, you have to understand that we have more than most would ever have. I think it's time we give back a little more. Now, I've had the building improvements done, and it's helped, but I just feel as though there's more that we can do. He stopped and took a sip of his tea and looked at his daughter, who now spoke up. Being twelve, Jessica was a young lady now, and she had an insightful addition to the conversation. Dad, what if we spent time with Tobias? You said he writes songs, and while I play piano, maybe he and I could write something together. I have a musical presentation coming up for school, and well, they said we can do anything we feel shows our creativity. I think if Tobias writes and I play... It might be really fun. Oh. oh, Jess, you surprise me sometimes, darling. And that is an amazing idea. That's that's if Mr. Green would even want to. He's He's been alone a long time, and sometimes it's hard for people to socialise with others. But he's had a hard life, I think. I don't believe he's ever married either. I'm not quite sure why. But I can approach him, and maybe we can just introduce you to him as a friend and see how he responds to the idea. She smiled and said, Then it's settled. You said he has his coffee every day at the same bench, and, hmm, well, Dad, maybe we can walk by and happen to sit down? She grinned, and so did Freeman. They all chuckled. And their son Danny piped up now, too. Her dad, you said he likes the pet shop, too. And he's wanted a doggy there. How come he can't just go and buy him? Freeman grinned, and his wife put her hand lovingly on Danny's shoulder. And now she responded. Well, you know, honey, your dad said some of us can't always just afford what we want. The pet shop is a bit of an expensive one, but they don't exactly give away the pets. Um, but, well, um... She looked at Freeman, whose eyes got wider with realisation. He chuckled and grazed his son's little cheek with his hand. You know, I should have had you two kids on my board. <laughs> you come up with the most amazing ideas, his son asked. What do you mean, Dad? Freeman looked at them all and stated quite plainly, as his wife thought the same thing in the moment, I think Tobias could have that dog, Danny, and you're going to give it to him. Well, what do you mean? Danny queried innocently. His sister now piped up, realizing what was going on. Danny, silly, we're going to buy the dog for Mr. Green. Oh, Danny said. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm glad I thought of it, he said as they all laughed. 
It was one of the most exciting mornings for the kids as they got dressed the next day and were waiting at the door. Freeman had called ahead and asked the pet shop to hold Twig. No one deserved that little dog more than Tobias, and on that day his life would change dramatically. They made their way downtown and did all the paperwork for Twig. He was sitting up and wondering what was happening. When they reached down and he was placed within Danny's arms, he giggled and Jessica patted little Twig on the head. They walked across the street with him in a harness so that he could walk freely, and Twig had a spring in his step suddenly, as he knew he was free, and somehow there was more to come. As they approached the bench, however, they didn't see Tobias. They waited just in case, and then decided to make their way to the apartment building to see if he had left for his morning yet. As they approached, they saw an ambulance there. Tobias had fallen, and they were taking him to the emergency room. The kids' faces fell, and Freeman was so concerned that he asked Mrs. Dunham what had happened. I saw him through my peephole. That Jason tripped Mr. Green, that nasty man that he is. I tried to help him and yelled at the scoundrel, but he told me to mind my own business. I called the ambulance right away. Tobias is fine, and surprisingly I don't think he broke anything, but I wanted him to get checked anyway. He was stunned and shaken by it all. He was in the elevator door, fumbling with his cane just to get it over the threshold, and that Jason, he put his hand on Tobias's shoulder to get past like he always does, and Tobias went down. Jason just left him there, probably hoping no one would see what happened. But I did. I saw it all. She had actually felt pain inside, it seemed, within her face. Freeman placed his hand upon hers gently to comfort her, and she added reluctantly, Mr. Delaware, I don't want any trouble, but I have only seen this kind of disrespect and almost hatred one other time in my life. I was very young during the war, Back then I learned about hatred very quickly. And all I can say about this man is that when he sees people like Tobias and myself... Oh. She paused and looked Freeman straight in the eyes, continuing. All he sees is an old man, an old black man, and an old Jewish woman. I don't think I have to say any more to you. Freeman and the kids looked at each other, and that was the last straw in his mind, as he gazed into the face of a woman who had lived a life, and then the innocent, untarnished eyes of his children gazing up at him. He called Allison immediately, and she met them all at the hospital. There they asked if they could see Tobias, and they were told that Twig couldn't go in. But then young Jessica sparked up.
but we're his family, and this is his service dog. We won't be long. Please, let us see him. We promise to be quiet. The nurse looked down, and then up at Freeman and Allison. They didn't say anything to contradict their daughter, and in that moment they all knew they were lying a bit. But family didn't always have to be your real family. Family could be the ones that you shared your life with. This was a moment where they all had to understand that they were being deceptive, but for a good reason. Freeman brought the kids over to a corner and whispered something to them. Allison knew what he was saying. He didn't want them to think that lying was okay, but in this case, they were trying to protect someone. But he told them not to make a habit of it. They came together quietly, and Danny picked Twig up in his arms again. They gently opened the door, and Freeman went in first to see if Tobias was awake. He was sitting up with a bruise or two on his face from the fall, and when he saw Freeman, he managed a slight smile. Mr. Delaware, what are you doing here? he asked. Freeman smiled and said, I wondered how you were, and I wanted to know if you would allow a few others to visit you, if you were feeling up to it, Mr. Green. Tobias didn't really know what to say, and so he stuttered a bit and answered, Oh, um, well, I, I, I guess that would be all right. He was hesitant, not knowing really what was going on. Just then, the kids and Allison came through the door, slowly, and when Tobias saw their sweet little faces, well, <laughs> his brow went up, and he was absolutely speechless. Hi, Mr. Green. My name is Danny, and this is my sister Jessica. Jessica then said, um, This is our mom, Allison. Dad told us all about you, Mr. Green, and well, we just wanted to say hi and make sure you were all right. Tobias was in shock and wasn't sure how to answer. It was all a bit overwhelming for him. Allison now stepped forward. Hello, Mr. Green. Uh, we know you're not feeling very well, and trust me when I say, we know what happened, and we're going to take care of it for you. That you can be certain of. You're never going to have to deal with Jason Tellus again. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Trust me when I say, though, I, I will take care of him. She had a protective look upon her face, and Freeman knew that look. He was so proud in that moment. And you can be sure that an eviction notice will be on his door as soon as we're able to do it. Tobias now had a tear well up in his eye as little Danny approached with Twig. Tobias hadn't had his glasses on and didn't truly notice what was in Danny's arms. He was so shocked. And we also wanted you to know that this is your dog now, Danny said. We bought him for you, and, and I hope that that was all right. He's a real nice dog, Mr. Green, and I think he'd be a really good buddy for you. Can we maybe come and visit him sometime? 
Benny's naivety to the emotions within Tobias, well, it was endearing to say the least. But just then Tobias began to cry softly, and Jessica went to him as Danny pulled Twig up so that Tobias could pet him. He reached his little paw out to touch his new owner. The two met eyes for the first time other than through the pet shop window. Twig couldn't stop wagging his tail. He had his new forever owner now, the one he'd seen each and every day for weeks, strolling up to him with his familiar cane and kind face. Allison wiped a tear from her eye now and put her hands on the kid's shoulders. Tobias now spoke a few words. Well, I, I don't know what to say to all of you. I suppose, though, it's nice to meet you. I, I can't believe you bought Twig for me. You shouldn't have it. It's too much money. Really, I, I, I don't know what to say. Danny now sat Twig on the bed beside Tobias, and the little dog took three seconds to snuggle in and start gazing up at him. Twig knew his owner, even though he'd never been that close. It was so beautiful. The kids teared up too and wiped their eyes, and even little Danny now understood just a little bit more. Well, Mr. Green, you've been a valuable tenant for so many years. In fact, you should be an honoured guest at this point. <laughs> How many years have you been in the building? Freeman asked. Seventy-five. <laughs> Seventy-five years. I, I was born in this hospital, and when my parents died, I, I promised to stay. Some may have thought it selfish of them to make me feel that way, but I... Listen, if, if folks knew my parents, their only intention was to keep me close and safe. I'm proud of them. It was us and only us. Oh, I had friends here and there, but when you grow up in a... a modest family... The littlest things are like gold and silver to you. He looked over at the kids. <laughs> that apartment has been my only home. I am grateful for it every day now that I'm older. I couldn't afford anywhere else at this point. At the prices places are. It's quite scary, actually, but... Oh, I... I have my warmth and my bed and my TV, and I write songs in my head, of course. And Well, I can't read sheet music, but I hum the tune, and I write the words as well, and it's enjoyable. If we could only get rid of certain people in this world. I don't mean in a bad way. I just mean, well, you know what I mean. My father used to play the guitar, and... It just gives me fond memories, along with a hobby. I just don't know what to say, everyone. I'm so very grateful. As soon as little Jessica heard the last part, she perked up. You write songs? She said excitedly. Well, yes, dear, I, 
I enjoy it very much. Freeman smiled, and Jessica saw him give her a nod to continue. Well, Mr. Green, I, I know you're not feeling well, and, and I'm very sorry that you're here, but I know you're going to get better very soon. And, well, I, I play the piano. There's a show that we're putting on soon, and we're allowed to do anything musical. And we can use any instrument or sing any song. Would you mind if I looked at some of your songs? Maybe I could create the music around the words, and, well, maybe if you want to, I, I mean, maybe... She was a bit shy to ask the next question. But Freeman was following her train of thought and supporting her. She looked up at her dad again, and he gave her another nod. Maybe, uh, maybe, Mr. Green, you would like to sing one of your songs with me, and I could play the piano. It would be very unique, Mr. Green. I'm, I'm sure no one else would be doing the same thing as us. Collaborating is something I'm learning about from my teacher. And, well, I, I'm not great with words, but I can write music. What do you say? I, I know it's a lot to ask, but I can tell you have a nice voice. It's a grandfather's voice, and it would sound really nice with a piano back in it. In that moment, Tobias felt as though he was in a dream. He shook his head a little and blinked his eyes. Oh, well, my dear, you want me to sing with you? I've never sung in front of others, but I may not be able to do it. I only sang along with my father. Jessica looked up at her mum, who nodded her head up and down. Well, uh, maybe you could remember your voice. Maybe I can help you, and I'll be right by your side. If you have a gift, Mr. Green, you should always share it. That's what Mom and Dad always tell Danny and I. Tobias looked down at Twig, who was in heaven, cuddled up against the warm blanket, with the large fatherly hand of Tobias gently cradling him. He gazed upon the faces of a family of strangers and suddenly felt like he had known them for years. I, I suppose if I'm feeling better soon, maybe we can at least look at a few songs and maybe you can try to come up with a tune to one you like. Maybe then I'll have the courage again. Just then, the nurse popped her head in. I'm afraid we'll have to end our visit for now, folks. He, he should get some rest now. He sure is a strong man, but he does need his rest. He might be able to go home in a couple of days. No broken bones, no head injuries at this time. But he'll need to be cautious when he gets home. Understood. Thank you so very much, Freeman responded. The nurse winked at him, knowing the truth of their relationship to Tobias. She didn't care. In that moment, she saw a wonderful thing happening. She saw humanity. Okay, said Allison. We need to let Mr. Green get that rest. 
Danny, it's your job, little man, to make sure Twig is fed and exercised until we can bring him to Mr. Green's apartment, all right, sweetheart? I will, Mum. Not a problem at all. <laughs> you can count on me, Mr. Green. I'll even draw a picture of him to keep on my wall. <laughs> oh, that sounds wonderful, little Danny. <laughs> Thank you, my boy. Thank you all so very, very much. This is the greatest day I've had in a long time, even though I'm sitting in a hospital bed. <laughs> Quiet chuckles filled the room at his humor in such a poignant moment. But inside, Freeman and Allison knew what they had to do as well. And once Allison got her hands on the case against Jason Tellis, she brought charges against him without wasting any time. Ma'am? The uniformed officer standing in the room acknowledged Allison as she walked in. He had his hands behind his back, just watching what was about to go down. Mr. Tellis, I'm surprised you've agreed to speak to me, and I do know that you have not officially hired your lawyer for this case, so you do have the right to remain silent until such time that you do. She made him wait a moment while she looked over some of her documents. Reading it at first without looking at him, she put her head up finally and looked him straight in the eyes. Assault. Abuse of an elder. Uttering threats. Mr. Tellus, do you realize why you're in here? She asked. Yeah, sure, whatever. My lawyer will fix this, and when it goes to trial, we'll see who's better in the courtroom, sweetheart. Allison leaned into Jason's face, putting her hands firmly on the table in front of her. And the officer in the room had wide eyes now. He'd seen her in action before. Allison was no one to mess with in the courtroom or to intimidate. Okay, well, I know who your lawyer is and when your lawyer leaves that courtroom, Mr. Tellus, with his tail between his legs, because he knows that we have witnesses in hospital records saying otherwise, you can take your condescending male chauvinistic nicknames and use them on the wives of your colleagues you've slept with. I'm only guessing that your devious ways in that area carries over into your professional life. But it's not for me to judge your job performance on circumstantial evidence. But listen to me when I tell you, Jason, that I've had a conversation with one of them who also says you were rough with her. She regrets her indiscretions and will be letting her husband, who is also your boss, know about it, with the hopes that he will forgive her. You, on the other hand, may be out of luck, I'm guessing, Maybe you should open your eyes to your situation and realize the thin ice you're treading upon. It might hurt you to serve a bit of time for abuse and assault, but not having that lucrative job of yours when you get out might hurt even worse. Don't you agree, Mr. Tellis? Well, the officer had to hold back a snicker. Tellis just sat there glaring and knew that if he opened his mouth again, he would be asking for more trouble. He choked on his next words and just sat there looking away. He was done, and he knew it. As she walked out of the room, Allison turned and added, You have a court-appointed chaperone to clear out your apartment as well, Mr. Tellis. On a personal note, your landlord has decided to evict you. 
I'm sure you can find a nice storage locker somewhere for when you get out in three years. She left the room, and a totally seething Tellus, who uttered yet another expletive under his breath. Allison turned and said, Work on your attitude, Mr. Tellus. If you like this in front of the judge, you'll add contempt of court to your rouster, and that's me being kind to you. Maybe you should try it as well. The officer just shook his head at Tellus and said, grabbing his arm, Come on, let's get you settled in. Reluctantly, Tellus didn't argue with him. Later on, he pled guilty to the judge. Just in case, however, Mrs. Dunham's statement was on the books, along with two others in the building, and the statement of the Tenants' Association. There was no way he was coming back from that kind of evidence. As for Tobias, he felt much better a few days later, and Freeman took him home. The apartment was just fine, and they set him up with Twig and a new bed just for the little dog. Mrs. Dunham had brought over a nice stew for Tobias. He saw his tiny apartment as a sanctuary now. He gave her a hug and thanked her for everything she'd done to help him. The building felt safer already to them. Home now felt as though it had everything Tobias needed. And now it even had what he wanted. Something Tobias thought of as a luxury up to that point. A dog food account was put into place by the Delawares at the pet store. Every time Tobias went in now to buy a bag, the surly saleswoman who once found him a nuisance would be reminded not to judge people so much and dig down inside to find her own compassion through humility itself. Twig's medical bills were also taken care of. They took out insurance on the little guy just in case something happened. All Tobias had to do was love him and feel the nurturing companionship he'd been missing for so long. He didn't know what to think, but he was more grateful than anyone could have imagined. And now feeling proud of their kids as well. Allison agreed with Freeman when he brought home a small dog for them too. It was time to put a bit more warmth into their home as well. Little Winslow would become a great dog park buddy to Twig in the years to come. Three weeks later, young Jessica had been playing with the music for one of Tobias's songs. It was a simple, short, yet heartfelt tune that was written for Little Twig initially. Jessica noted that it could have easily been a love song too, and so the tone of the piano would have a soft, ruminating flow. She was enamored with the words that inspired her to write her first full song. Tobias had kept hope that he and Twig would be brought together, and sure enough, the song would have the crowd tearing up when a well-dressed elderly man walked out slowly onto the school stage with lovely Jessica in a dress and heels at her piano, ready to play. Tobias stood right beside her, and she put her hand on his just before she started. Sing your song, Mr. Green. Show them that it doesn't matter who you are. Music is created from the heart. That's what they tell us in class. Thank you for being here today. Tobias felt as though he'd gained a family in that moment. And Jessica 
She felt like his granddaughter. His wrinkles creased up beside each eye as a smile as wide as the sea came across his face. He straightened his back, and she nodded up and down, supportively. A friend had joined them in the background, playing a very soft violin to the same notes as Jessica, and the audience was staring at the unexpected trio, making music together. The lights went down as Freeman and Allison glanced at each other, knowing that their life would also be different now. Danny snuggled up to his mother. A hush fell upon the crowd as the song began. Please hold my hand was the title. Jessica's little friend walked over now, holding her violin, and the two girls looked at Tobias and smiled. They all took each other's hand. He was glowing. Five years later, Tobias was 80 years old and had his faithful little twig by his side. 
The building was still home to the good people it had housed for so long, and Tobias had an income he never thought he'd have. One of the parents in the audience the night of the musical recital was a children's network executive, and when he heard the words written by Tobias and his soothing paternal voice swaying to the music of young Jessica, he had a spark go off inside of his head. With so many amazing artists that worked on his children's shows, he saw something as well in Tobias and his writing that could lend itself to his programming. And after meeting him after the show and talking further and speaking of the songs that he'd already written, he offered Tobias writing work just one month later. Tobias was now writing children's songs and getting paid for it. He even lent his voice to some of the scores. He and Twig would visit the sets now, and everyone would welcome them. Twig and Winslow were a bit of a superstar duo too, as little Danny had submitted his drawings of them to the studio as well. And the artists and writers were now working on the development of the children's show aptly titled Park Life with Twig and Winslow. Once looked upon as an old man just in the way to someone, Tobias was now allowing himself to feel free and Twig was right there by his side. Freeman and Allison, they went on with their careers, steady and forward, and they kept the apartment building in better shape than the required standards. As a result, their tenants were loyal and most of all, they were happy, including Tobias and Twig. That Christmas morning, they celebrated five years together, and Twig, well, he got some of Mrs. Dunham's turkey. And Tobias, he found a family again, and the bouquet of flowers on the kitchen table was three times the size now. Every week, he bought the biggest bouquet the market had, and he made sure the curtains were pulled back so that the sun would hit it every day. The memories it instilled were priceless. As the moment caught him, he saw his parents sitting at the table, having breakfast with him, before his father went off to the docks. His mother looked up and smiled at him, and the vision slowly drifted away to the scene before him with his new family, enjoying the happiness of the day. He smiled looking down at Twig and his friends, who had stopped in for a visit that day, including the Delawares, and of course, Winslow. He said one line to himself, and closed his eyes, as the snow fell on the street below, with the laughter and joy of everyone going on behind him. Merry Christmas, Mama and Pop. I hope you can all see this up there in heaven. Thank you. I miss you more than you know. Thanks for joining in again to Story Opus and this episode of The Fiction Road. This one's been dedicated to those who see beyond what their eyes can see. And for those who remember what is the most important to them. 
It's for those who hold value within others that, if given a chance, can bloom. Stop by again at another corner and another turn on The Fiction Road.